In his famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus preached the requirements for a life of beatitude or a life of blessedness. To behold God in his essence as he really is for all of eternity in heaven demands that we live a life more than just a moral minimalism. It requires a life of excellence. So this Lent, the deacons and I have been preaching a homily series called How to Overcome the Seven Deadly Sins. And the reason for this series is very simple, that we want to get to heaven. We want to live a life of excellence, a life of blessedness. And the sins which most directly oppose this life of excellence are the seven deadly sins. Sloth, envy, avarice, vainglory, wrath, gluttony, and lust. So today's homily follows in the series, and today we tackle on the, the sin of wrath or sinful anger. To be excellent in the spiritual life demands that we be able to control our wrath, our anger. Of all the deadly sins, wrath is mentioned in sacred scripture more than any of the other sins. It's mentioned 274 times. The next closest deadly sin is pride, which is mentioned 138 times, followed by greed, which is mentioned only 27 times. So why would wrath be mentioned so many times? Why would the Holy Spirit inspire its authors to constantly warn against wrath? Because it kills relationships. And most importantly, it kills the soul. Jesus very clearly likened wrath to murder when he's preached that Sermon on the Mount homily. He said this, and I quote, You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, You shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, Whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. End quote. Clearly, Jesus is saying that wrath leads souls to perdition. Father Morrow, who is a priest of the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., he wrote a book called Overcoming Sinful Anger published by Sophia Press. And he said in that book, and I quote, explosive anger is not something you want to have with you when you leave this planet. It will profoundly dampen your ability to enter into the kingdom, end quote. Father Morrow is simply reiterating what Jesus Christ said, that anger and heaven do not go together. So I want to look at anger. What is it? If it's left unchecked, what sins come from it? And most importantly, how do you overcome it? So let's start with the definition. Anger is defined by the Catechism of the Catholic Church as a desire for revenge. It's an emotional response to an injustice. Now, it's important to note that anger can be just or it can be sinful. So not all anger is sinful. Righteous or just or holy anger responds to an injustice by desiring a just correction, desiring what is good. So, for instance, when Jesus drove the money changers from the temple, he did so for their conversion. His anger was oriented towards their conversion for their good. His anger was in proportion to their sin. And that's very important. Sinful anger is always disproportionate to the injustice committed. Sinful anger wills not what is good for the other, but what is evil. It seeks revenge or pain or suffering 
or even violence or murder. So the key really in determining whether anger is just or sinful is, is it governed by right reason, by human reason? When reason does not govern our anger, it quickly boils into a very sinful passion, and then a cycle of sin begins. But when our reason can govern our anger, we avoid sin altogether. We avoid the passions being overrun by our human reason. And it's our human reason that makes us like God and not like the animals. When an injustice is committed, it's right that we get angry. But we are still called to will the good of all, even those who have committed the injustice. Right? So one sin by another person does not give us the right to commit a sin. That's an eye for an eye mentality. And Jesus clearly did away with that. When we allow anger to well up inside of our hearts and go unchecked, it leads to many other sins, evils, including physical assault, violence, thoughts of revenge, indignation, contention, animosity, antagonism, fury, impatience, rage, quarreling, temper, cursing, insults, and even blasphemy against God. So when anger leads to these sins, these evil, even if it's just interiorly, it's always sinful. Many people we know suffer from sinful anger. Maybe we do ourselves. Many people suffer from these daughter sins that I just named. So if you're one of them, what can you do to overcome this problem? What can you do to overcome sinful anger? Well, as always, if you commit anger, you've got to go to confession. When anger turns to violence or revenge or even desires for murder, then it becomes a very serious sin, a deadly sin. And it really cuts us off from God's grace. It also cuts us off from relationship with one another. Confession restores that grace in our soul. It also fills us with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, including the gift of fear of the Lord. And fear of the Lord helps us to cultivate the moral virtues and to put a spiritual break, if you will, on our unruly passions. Fear of the Lord orients us to be meek and patient, and it gives us a healthy fear of God, which allows us to then act in accord with his plan in our life. Now, on a practical level, there are three things that we can do to prevent sinful anger. Delay, dispute, and inoculate. What do I mean? Delay. When someone or something makes you angry, don't respond right away. Take a moment or two and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. See, what this will do is this will avoid that impulsive email or that impulsive phone call or even face-to-face encounter with the one who angered us. And it's never good to act when our blood is boiling. When anger arises, delay. Delay doing anything until you have prayed then dispute. And this is where we try to see things through the other's eye. This is where we try to give the other, even the offender, the benefit of the doubt. This is where we make even excuses for the one who has hurt us. Think of Jesus on the cross when he said to those who crucified him, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. This is Jesus disputing, literally making excuses for his persecutors. We ought to do the same. And then finally, inoculate. 
Just like we inoculate ourselves to prevent the measles, so too we can inoculate ourselves against sinful anger. How? By forgiving our transgressors in advance. What do I mean by that? We know, for instance, when we drive to work, that someone is going to cut us off. So what do we need to do? We need to mentally prepare ourselves for that. As the Stoic Emperor Marcus Aurelius said, that we've got to remind ourselves that we are going to encounter, we are going to encounter the busybody, the thankless, the overbearing, the treacherous, the envious, and the unneighborly. In other words, if we expect these things, then we're going to be ready for it. And we can even predetermine how we're going to respond, not if it happens, but when it happens. And then in doing this, we're using our reason to gain control of our passions. And that is simply being human. So when anger arises, delay, don't do anything until you've prayed, dispute, try to see things through the other's eyes and even make excuses for them, and then inoculate. Prepare to forgive your transgressors even before they sin. And that's really how we live a life of blessedness. Now, to conclude, I'd like to quote two saints who specifically commented on how to overcome sinful anger. St. Teresa of the Andes and St. Francis de Sales. St. Teresa of the Andes said this, I quote, I went to confession yesterday. The priest told me that three things are necessary to avoid impatience or anger. One, never manifest my anger exteriorly. Two, be lovable with the person who causes my anger. And three, to be silent, to put down the anger in my heart. End quote. And finally, St. Francis de Sales, he said this, You will ask how to put away anger. My child, when you feel its first movements, collect yourself gently and seriously not hastily or with impetuosity. Further, if you are conscious of an angry act, atone for the fault by some speedy act of meekness towards the person who excited your anger. It is a sovereign cure for the untruthfulness to unsay what you have falsely said at once on detecting yourself in falsehood. And so too it is a good remedy for anger to make immediate amends by some opposite act of meekness. There's an old saying that fresh wounds are soonest closed. Moreover, when there is nothing to stir your wrath, lay up a store of meekness and kindliness, speaking and acting in things great and small as gently as possible. Remember that the bride of the canticles is described as not merely dropping honey and milk also from her lips, but as having it under her tongue, that is to say, in her heart. So we must not only speak gently to our neighbor, but we must be filled heart and soul with gentleness. And we must not merely seek the sweetness of aromatic honey in courtesy and suavity with strangers, but also the sweetness of milk among those of our own household and our neighbors, a sweetness terribly lacking to some who are as angels abroad and devils at home." End quote. Very good advice from the saints who are now leading this life of blessedness, who are able to control their anger and are now living at peace with God in heaven. Amen.